Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com. Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, and I'm Will Johnson. Man, you're right. They're getting worse. Oh, Will's here, but I tell you what, full disclosure for the people who are hopping into this episode, Will is laid up on COVID. I'm just happy he's here and upright. So, wait, are you upright? No, no, well... I was, and then I watched this movie, and I I mm. wanted to die from COVID. Mm. Folks, we're not even seeing the movie yet. We have to finish the intro and then tell you what we're going to talk about. So, no, guess, guess what it is. Guess, guess. Five minutes. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. <laughs> Shitty movies that put Will to sleep. One, two, three, four, five. Got it. So, one way or another, we're damn glad to have you awake and upright. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake, where share passions and high five wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, except for this movie. Um, No, I'm sorry, I'm saying. Uh, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we've circled the calendar, we've circled the wagons, and we're here to talk about Morton Tildum's Passengers. And we are welcoming back previous guests of the show, Aaron White of the Feel and Film podcast. Aaron White, say hello to the good folks. Welcome back. Hello, 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 and stay in your damn lanes. And don't go bashing my movie before your damn timers start. You've got rules, and I'm about rules. So, damn it, you oh. better follow your damn rules. Oh, what a, oh. What, a, what a big man you are, to quote Pacino. Oh. This is going to be good. So, I mean, I, I we can tell the story about where Aaron comes from and how like he's a critic friend I ran into. And I was <laughs> dumb enough to invite Will Johnson into the Facebook group to join us in the last six months and how I've regretted it every day since and how what? there's probably a, a James Hammock in the world who's going to piss off and yell somebody at that. But uh, we're here really for the cinephile hissy fit. And we're here for this movie and his passengers. And it's a divisive thing, as you can already tell. And our format is this. Aaron, the dead man white, is the recommending lover that will go first. He will get the best he's going to get for five uninterrupted minutes of scripted praise to state his high-minded case. The man took notes. He already told us so. The hater, which is going to be Will and I, we will follow with our own five uninterrupted minutes each of our to present our counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth or, you know, just good points, truth, honesty, American way stuff. After that, we will open it up for two hours and 45 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit will really get chippy. Check your batteries, check your life. This could be 90 years of waiting for us, our, for ourselves to die. I wish I was on the love boat for now. It's the cinephile hissy fit. Let's go. <laughs> the love boat. I, that's that's what I think this movie takes place in, but here we are at that. Well, that's that. what so, this movie turns into because there's yeah. lots of Chris Pratt booty. There's a that, lot of nudity right. for a PG-13 movie. A lot of nudity. I, they, they sneak that in. I tell you what, and it you know it it all fits in where we need it to fit in. So does it? Wait, 
is there not enough Jennifer Lawrence nudity? Can we just say that as three, you know, able-bodied men in the room? Well, I can say, unlike Aaron, who I don't know a lot about, but I do know that he does like generic, decently, decently <laughs> active blonde women. I know that he likes them because I, I, because he'll be like, oh, be still my heart, and it'll be like, it'll be literally like a picture <laughs> of, you know, Anya Taylor Joy or Jennifer Lawrence. Oh boy. Or, yeah. And I'm just like, all right, dude, that's all fine. Right. I mean, whatever. As, as the man who's known Aaron Monger, <laughs> he indeed has a type. Let me tell okay, you. Okay, J Law is in my like top five of my type. Oh, oh man, hell no. But uh, hold on, hold on. Before we get to the two hours and forty five <laughs> minutes of open discussion, we really should give people their minutes and their time. So, Aaron. You are the lover of this film. You are the guest. Welcome back, by the way. And this is going to be you. good. Five minutes are all yours. I'm muting my microphone and just right here. Okay. Before I hit my little button, I- I'm going to tell you this before I get started on my actual five minutes. I'm not here to convince you jokers. I, you can sit there and you guys can spew your bad takes when I finish. And I doubt that anything I say tonight is going to move a needle on your cynical black hearts. But I Ooh. might be able to convince the people. So I'm here to talk to the, the people. people. In the words of Idris Elba in Pacific Rim, reset the clock. Another classic. Oh, it's another, another five-star movie of Aaron another White. Classic, I'll let you know right now. Just like this one. Okay, oh, here's the Lord. thing, guys. Oh, so good off, okay. uh, Mute some mics. Are you ready, Aaron? Oh, I'm started. And, and, okay. and I'm going, right. I'm, ca- I'm counting my 15 seconds over. Don't you? Don't you worry about that. Take all. You know what, Aaron? For you, <laughs> si- six minutes, sir. Six minutes. Woo, you'll, need all, okay. you'll need all of it. You'll need all of it. All right, I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. Okay, so first of all, I just want to make a quick plug that this movie has a pretty cool production history story behind it. We're going back in time. This, this was a spec script for a long time. Lots of other actors have been attached to this project, and I talked about it in detail in my episode of this film on my podcast it's on episode 39 of the feeling film podcast so i'm just plugging it to go back and if you want to listen to that production story it's pretty cool and i don't want to recount it all here so getting into the movie here's the thing passengers has everything that i want in a blockbuster type of sci-fi movie it's got a wonderful cast it's got two people who i feel have incredible chemistry and are both very good to look at and enjoyable to spend time with. I think they're the kind of actors who have a charisma about them and a way of making you understand some of the circumstances better because you kind of can relate to wanting to be with one of them if you were in a similar position. I also love that it has an explosive third act that puts some action in it. It's got some great comedy, some hilarious situations that they're put in throughout. It's really interesting from a technology perspective, the kind of things we see on the ship, the amenities, and just the ship in general. So the production value of this film, I think some of these things about this movie are undeniably great. And this is part of my issue with some of the negative responses to the film is that I do believe there are some objectively great things like the production design, the way that the ship looks. It's absolutely phenomenal. The CGI or the the visual kind of look and feel of the spaceship itself and the film is wonderful throughout. That swimming pool is absolutely incredible. There are some jaw-dropping sequences 
in this film, the score by Thomas Newman is completely beautiful. It is one of the best of its year. And so I think that these elements all kind of put into play together, create this awesome experience of a movie. And the one thing that I love almost more than anything else is a great morality play that does a good job of digging into a tough, complicated question and making me think, making me wonder what I would do in that situation. What is right versus wrong? And it's not about what the characters decide as much as it is about how it evokes that thought-provoking process in me. Here's the thing. People create like to critique this movie's morality. They like to hone in on one aspect of this film and say, Jim shouldn't have woken Aurora up. That's murder. That's creepy. Therefore, nothing else in this film is of, of, of value. And that's a complete joke, in my opinion. And, and where it comes to with me, I'm sure we'll go into this probably more in depth. I'll save you know, this so that we can go back and forth once we're in that section of the podcast. But what I believe is at the heart of that reaction is a world that is struggling to accept morally complex characters if their stories include redemption. And I would put another film that I absolutely adore based on a stage play that I adore from this past year, Dear Evan Hansen, is a great compliment to this idea because it's got a character that makes a bad decision. There's, there's something that Evan does that is the crux of that movie that no one can look at and say that was necessary, that was the right thing to do. You might be able to look at it and understand it, but you would never say that was the moral correct choice. And that's the same thing we have here with Chris Pratt and his character. And I think that the world has an issue as a whole with being able to find value and loving people who make poor decisions, characters in movies. And I think the most important thing about Passengers and Dear Evan Hansen, but it's that these characters lose first. They do not win. They are not successful. They, ha they lose the girl. You know, in both cases, there are consequences. Hold on, shut up. There are consequences for their actions. Extra and minute granted, we said we'd give you one. Fire Ultimately, away. they come to a place where the story does give them a redemption. And I think that it's okay to have forgiveness. And it is okay to allow for other people in movies, characters, to make a decision you wouldn't make. Aurora, as written in this movie, has a reason to still be in love with Jim. And if she makes that choice to stay with him, we don't need to critique and say the movie is bad because of that. We need to accept that that's the characters as they are, whether you would have made the choice or not. It's great to talk about. It's great to question. The other thing I think about a lot in this movie is just how awesome it is of a complex problem. They're on this journey to another world to populate it. And you've got two very distinctly different people. You've got someone who's paid a lot of money and you've got someone who is basically Jim, who's an indentured servant. You have the ship who gets hit. It's not going to make it. The ship wakes Jim up, in my opinion. I believe it's intentional because he is a mechanical engineer. And then he wakes Aurora up. I believe he does that because he needs her. Because after a year, this movie shows you what is it like to be without someone? What's going to happen? You need human companionship. This movie reminds us of how important companionship is. 
him waking her up re-energizes him and allows them to eventually get to the point where after the ship wakes up somebody else to help them because they need a key card, it's got to get them there. The ship is trying to save itself. We get told multiple times over and over that this ship is fail-safe. The ship is not capable of malfunctioning. That's what Arthur tells us. But yet it quote-unquote does. So I think everything that happens in this movie is in service of saving the whole. And you've got to look at this picture in so much more broad terms than just Jim woke up Aurora and that was messed up, man. Because without this going the way it went, all 5,000 of them die. All of them. So yes, was it against her will? It was. And it's addressed in the movie. That's the important part. The movie does not tell us it's okay. The movie criticizes him for the choice and then moves forward with ultimately the goal of seeing what happens within a relationship of two people that truly choose love. And in the, in the process of that, they save 4,997 of their lives, which is an incredible, incredible thing to me. And so, yeah, guys, this is one of my favorite films of all time, not just a, a movie I love. I adore it. I think it is incredibly special and misunderstood. And I will sh shut up now. Thank you very much for allowing me that time. I really appreciate it. Ooh, that's a lot of me. Hey, somebody, somebody, somebody wake up. Will somebody wake up? Will. All right. I have, <laughs> he is, is he awake? I know he's got COVID, but is he awake? Somebody, somebody poke him with a PCR swab. Well, football practice. What? Oh, huh? oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somebody say Tampa Bay Buccaneers quick, quick, quick. Oh, okay. No. Okay. All right. Um, I have the, I have the worthy task of following that with my five. So I'll try to hop into that. Let me, um, I'll keep it succinct to five. Now I don't need extra fucking time. So my five is on. <laughs> well, now my five is off by like six seconds. Cause I got to get Will's laugh out of here. All right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Thanks, Mitch. You're going to love the production of this. Okay. So, Hey, I can grant some, you know, so Aaron uses the word that, normally gets us all in trouble in the critical realm of things which is objective and i can grant that yeah guy hendrix diaz has a very award-worthy production design thomas newman's score is cute in a vacuum but it sucks it does not, it's the guy who did wally and he's making a nudity duty cute little romantic score in a movie that cannot decide whether it's going to be romance or science fiction and the tricky part when you do that is when you mix romance with science fiction, it's kind of that dodgy proposition of preposterousness because, you know, if you want to get scientific, you have that emotionality of love is not something, you know, readily explained by science unless some smarty pants out there is trying to cite like neurotransmitters and adrenaline and dopamine and serotonin and bullshit like that. And when you put hot ticket people like Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence in the same movie, you're you're stepping into like Titanic in space territory. And for me, the only comparison you can make between something like Titanic that ropes you into amazing um, earned and wonderful romance and a place where there's, you know, some real, some real, uh, some real feelings and some real connections and passengers is the metaphorical fucking sinking. Because, gosh, this movie should have stayed on the blacklist where it started. Um it it's it just cannot decide what it wants to be and that's the as the it's a terrible place to kind of be in a hinge point to be so 
I, I said it in my review in a terrible way where I said Passengers is, for me at the time, one of the most sel selectively preposterous movies of recent memory. And by selective, I kind of meant where neither the science fiction or the romance work on a superior enough level to kind of just coexist because the film cannot have both with, with this script, you know, whether the science fiction element of its, you know, premise of being marooned in space for 90 years and you have to repair the inevitable bullshit when anything can go wrong, will kind of stuff where we've seen that a thousand and one goddamn times, whether it's Armageddon or something smarter than this. And, you know, you can kind of, there's some intricacy and there's some rigor possible in that premise of being marooned in space for 90 years. But the hokiness and absolute impatience of this movie's romantic angles to kind of, you know, poke into that, just bring this whole thing crashing down. And at the same time, by contrast, whenever the heat sizzles up, and my goodness, the sparks fly, and the heat attempts to sizzle up between two very beautiful people, my goodness, at the time, Chris Pratt and Jay Law, top of the world. But this vacuous science fiction element that's hanging in the background of the little, you know, problem, little red little box floating on a ship that's doomed, it devolves into just cliched track of where the science fiction gets in the way of everything that can go wrong will. So right when you think you're getting a ripe, really good romance, you know, the twist is already there to fuck that up. And then the science fiction gets in the way where Lawrence Fishburne shows up for fun. And, you know, I guess if you want to play the card of, you know, he was woken up for a reason, you couldn't get a better mechanic out of 5,000 people. But, and then at the same time, I admit I'm one of those people who you look at that reprehensible decision and it's a hard pill to swallow. And I get to that point where further can that guy, you know, can that guy redeem that mistake and that track of what he's already set off into motion and do. And I don't think the movie does enough of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm an open guy. I, I want forgiveness and I want, I want, a chance for people to do right with their lives and all that. And I'm a guy who, who can believe in that, but the execution of this just does not work. By the time you mix that romance and that science fiction, just both half, both halves of that carry kind of that matching progression of just terrible character choices that just inexplicably lead to over convenient and improbable successes in a movie. Like I said, where everything can go wrong will. And when you kind of build that relationship on a lie even if humans need interpersonal connection, I get that. I'll sound like I do in my in my Tree of Life review. I really do get it. But fucking A, man. You know, Chuck Nolan in Castaway will call Jim Preston a pussy. Because he's over there cracking coconuts, subjected to the elements, and had sparse resources for four years. Chris Pratt has the goddamn galactic love boat. And he gets to do spacewalks. He eats at great restaurants and cafeterias. He can shoot hoops and be drunk all day. And in a year, he fucking caves to wake up some girl. I just like, hey, man, hold out a little harder or earn it a little more or actually have some horrible things happen to you because he can't act that and make it work. Some of that is going to come back to Chris Pratt. Some of that is kind of come back to Jennifer Lawrence. I think she does a lot better than Chris Pratt, but my goodness, it's, I get it. There, there's a place where some of this can work and there's some high-minded ideas. Execution just doesn't make it. And that's my five, five and change. I said I wouldn't go past five, but I did. 
Uh, okay. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go now because, yeah. Passengers, passengers, passengers. I mean, <clears throat> the possibility of everything possibly going wrong at the same time is what this film is. Um, like you said, like Don said, because I'm not going to quote anything Aaron said because that's nonsense. Um, Chris Pratt, J-Law, top of the world at that point, you know? And there's a very old Hollywood feeling to this movie. Like, you can kind of tell sometimes when a movie's like, okay, let's get the names first, then throw the plot together. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of backstory. This wasn't development hell, whatever. But it, it does feel like from an advertising perspective, at the very least, they were like, hey, these are two hot starts. Let's throw them together and have them fuck on camera and stuff. It'd be great. So, you know, Don talked about the... Oh, I was going to say, one of the major first issues is the improper use of Chris Pratt. It's been a problem since Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I say since because Guardians of the Galaxy was a perfect role for him, and Star-Lord is one of my all-time favorite performances. But when they hired... It's, it's kind of like when they tried to make Ben Affleck an action star back in the day. They're putting Chris Pratt in these roles uh, because of his looks and one aspect of his character and forgetting all the other parts, like... They make him kind of dorky charming in this one, I guess. But, like, that's not his strength. His strength is comedy, you know? And they, they're ignoring the comedy, just like the Jurassic World movies. Ignore the comedy. They're going for the bulk and the muscles instead. And this one, it's, it's going off of that smile and that charm and that those good looks. That's one issue. And, and Don already touched on the tonal problems. Now, if this film was... Let me tell you how I think this film should have played out. And call me cynical, call me, you know, evil or whatever you want to say. But, um, oh yeah, there you go. Sorry, I was reading I was reading your thing. So I get 15 more seconds. Okay, I was reading something that Don put in the chat and it distracted me. So we already talked about the tonal issues with this. Um, when you, if the movie played out like this, the entire movie, and if you have a good enough actor like Tom Hanks and Castaway or even a Will Smith in I Am Legend, if the if seventy five to eighty percent of this movie was him dealing with that loneliness, let's say it's years and years, and you're seeing him crumble and 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 fall apart, you know, in left in, in a long period of time, not just like eight months where he starts thinking about doing this horrible thing. And then let's say he wakes Jennifer Lawrence up and she's like, she reacts as she, as she does in the movie, where she's like, hey, F you, dude, why'd you do this to me? And then she kills herself, or she kills him, or, you know, does something like that. That would have been a more realistic, justifiable, understandable kind of reaction. The problem with this film is it doesn't have enough reflection time, so Chris Pratt never has enough time to reflect on his actions. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence gets mad, but... And they address it in the movie, and I and I appreciated the film for at least addressing that's pretty fucked up what he did. But there is no nuance, there's no complexity, because what happens is is I remember just shaking my head going, What? Because at one point when she, when things are going bad and she's just like, I can't live without you. It's like, how did you get from hating this person justifiably to you can't live without him? I mean, are you trying to say that she's even weaker than him? That she can't even be alone for like three days on the ship and she needs somebody. Whereas Chris Pratt needed like eight months or something. It just all the wrong signals. I'm running out of time, but 
all the signals are going off and going bad and, and just they're hitting up against each other. I mean, the fact that they all live happily ever after on the ship and create a little forest together is mind-bogglingly stupid. And every chance you would get, I mean, I, I understand the noble sacrifice, right? We get, we get that all the time. Sometimes a character makes a mistake, they make up for it. I think of, uh, let's look at, the, just, I'll throw something out there, aliens, right? You had Gorman, the lieutenant, who freaked out during the initial attack, kind of spaced out, didn't know what to do, freaked out, had a, had a mental break, you know, but then at the end he sacrifices himself and blows up a couple of aliens. Yay, he got his, he got his, uh, you know, his due. He, he made up for his mistake. They, they give Chris Pratt a couple opportunities to do that. But to me, the ultimate way, I'm sure we've all, and I'll, this will conclude my five minutes. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this before on the internet. There's kind of these cute little, like, you know, things online where it'll say, like, uh, I think one recently was for Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, where it, where it says, um, can you make Mysterio forget everything instead? And then, or make everyone forget Mysterio? And then Doctor Strange goes, sure, I'll do it. And then it says, directed by John John Watts. You know, like, it, it talks about how you can easily solve a problem, and then it just cuts to the director's name, because you're like, okay, movie's over, no big deal. It's it's one scene in particular that sums it up. We're right up is when Chris Pratt is telling uh, Michael Sheen what he's planning on doing uh, or what he's been thinking about doing. And Michael Sheen, and he says, well, then I'd have to wake her up and then she'll be alone and she'll die 90 years before we get to the planet. And he goes, well, you can't do that. End of movie. Done. That's it. Movie over. Let him die in peace. Leave her alone. Let her wake up 90 years later. Goodbye. Are you done? Are you done? Please, Can I talk? I, I, fle- I hit please, the bell. Well, please let me talk. Well, hold on for a second, folks. Like, just for you know, to pay the bills. Please enjoy this short announcement from the Ruminations Radio Network. All right, we're back, and I guess we have to give Aaron his spot first. So, here we go. Get your notes out, kid. All right. Here's here's the problem with everything you just said, Will. Oh, and me? that is coming after whoa. me. Whoa. Oh, well, because your take is the worst because <laughs> it's coming from a place of you want the movie to be your way instead of engaging oh, with moral? the question of the film oh. as it's created. Okay, Listen, I'll hear you out. again, the movie is not trying to tell you that Chris Pratt is a good person for doing this. The movie is telling you he made a he made a choice that is morally complex and wrong, and she reacts to it. The reality is that once something bad has happened, it doesn't have to end in complete and utter, you know, like it doesn't, that's not, oh, it's not over. Now, she sure actually genuinely fell for him. And she even, the quotes in the movie from her are very important. She says a couple different things. One point that she talks about an accidental happiness, and that's what this was. It isn't. It's an accident. It's not. Oh, man, you know, it's, it's not manipulated one. Them no, trying come to on. come to, but he doesn't manipulate her into falling in love with him. Is my point? Bullshit. Absolutely Bullshit. no. But you're judging her for her choices versus allowing the character to be as the character is, and you're making up things in your head. You're creating oh, no, 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 no. her, and you're saying she if, shouldn't have done X Y Z. No, she does what she feels is right. She says, if, if you live if an she ordinary knows, life. If she knows she's woken up from moment one, does she do the same romance with with? No, don't. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're put in a situation in life. You're put in a situation in life, in your life, 
and you yeah. can trans you can transpose this to reality. What happens when your kid makes a poor decision? Are you going to completely forget forgive are you going to forgive them ever yes you're going to eventually probably get past it and forgive them there may be consequences sure. but you may have truly you may love that kid and so you're going to forgive them she ultimately has the choice of whether or not to go back in he says if we can figure it out you can go you can go yeah. i'm going to stay awake and everybody would be saved she but makes we, the choice and you're taking sure. that right away from her because you're telling her she's wrong. You're telling her she's wrong yeah. and she shouldn't make this choice. And that's bullshit, frankly, is my point. It's romance, bullshit. But you got you've to allow the kind of lie to begin with. Where <laughs> that's not can. your call. The card is, is my easy point. To play. It's not your call. Well, it's her call. All right. All right. And, well, I well, and, well, I, well, and she's right to get angry and I'm glad she gets angry. But at the same time, the forgiveness level is a sliding scale. I get that. All right. I, I'm there. You know, like if it's my son or my kid, I'm going to find a place to forgive. But at the same time, I will not be one of those dads that like, you know, covers up a murder for my son. I'm, you know, if you fuck up, you fuck up. You know, you need to learn your lesson. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and, yeah. and and that's the hard part for me about this movie is that I don't feel like in the grand scheme of things and even in this moment scheme of things that Chris Pratt does enough in this movie or even on a larger level. And I don't even want to say Chris Pratt. Let's say Jim, whatever the dude's name right, is. Right, right, Jim, Jim. You know, you know, cause like Chris Pratt's, Chris Pratt's a very nice guy, very charming fellow. I, it's right, easy right. to forgive a guy like Chris Pratt, but I, I, Chris Pratt is not Jim. So it's, other than fixing the calamitous bullshit thing that happens in the ship, what does he really do to heal with her? And I just don't Nothing. see it. Well, let me, let me add on to that since I had supposedly the worst take ever on this um i'm not denying her anything what the problem is is like don was saying is that she is gaslit and manipulated from the get-go like does she fall in love with him yes because he studied her creepily for like eight months before he woke her up knew every detail of what she liked seduced her with little things that like when he would pick up things from the video like mm -hmm. oh i love i love sitting at the window and looking at the chrysler building so what does he do he constructs the chrysler building and says like oh hey come to dinner with me isn't it cute i got your chrysler building you know like saying all the right things it's kind of like um he reminds me of and this is not a good thing he reminds me of elijah wood in uh what's the movie with jim carrey and kate winslet um Oh shit. What Elijah Wood does in that movie is he takes all of Jim Carrey's memories and all the lines that got Jim Carrey to help Kate Winslet fall in love with him and vice versa. And he uses that with Kate Winslet. And obviously there's no nuance there, but she's kind of like, well, that, I mean, I kind of get what he's saying and I kind of like that, but it's something feels off about it. Like she, at least she has the intelligence to be like, oh yeah, there's something a little off about him knowing all the stuff he likes about me. Whereas she comes out of this and just like, oh, why am I awake? Oh, you like the thing I like? Oh, you're cute. That's fun. Let's do this. Let's get together. Let's fall in love. I'm sorry. Like the falling in love is it's some, somebody, somebody put this in a review. They said it's like Stockholm syndrome mm. where she eventually gets to the point where she's like, yeah, I love my captor. And, and yes, I believe in forgiveness. Of course. I mean, me and Don talk about this all the time. It's like, you know, we talk about, like, we want to cancel a person forever because of one mistake. We never want to give them the opportunity to make up for it. I'm sorry, this is a huge mistake. This is a life mistake. Like she says in the movie, this is murder. She goes from saying, he murdered me, to I can't live without you with nothing in between to make up that gap. Do I believe it could happen in, like, 
five, ten years, maybe. But you're asking me to believe that because an asteroid fucked up the engine and he volunteers to stand up at the hole and let the fire come out, that suddenly they're the ones that are for each other. There's too much damage caused by that decision. It's one thing if you cheat in a relationship and you got to build that trust back. It's another when you doom a person to certain death as the first move in your relationship. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, that is that is almost impossible to get over. And- no, you're 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 projecting. You're see that's my point is you're you're taking your personal how you would feel in the situation and you're putting it in it. That's not Aurora's character. Aurora's character says is all about an adventure and having something to tell a story. That's why she's oh, on the journey. Well, let me finish. That's why she's on the journey. It's if she says, if you live an ordinary life, all you have is our ordinary stories. You have to live a life sure. of adventure. That's what her dad tells her. What and this, this is movie, the adventure she ordered. No, what? Chris Pratt it and whimsy. Come on. But, I mean, no, that's the point, though, Don. Again, uh. you guys are judging what you would want and what you think should happen versus looking at the actual story that is being told. The character I, be, herself oh gets gosh, to the point. No. There's a line in one of my favorite books ever by Tim Robbins. It's called Still Life with Woodpecker. And this is how I live my life. But like, right. it's it's this. We waste time looking for the perfect lover instead of creating the perfect love. And that is what is happening here in this movie. Ooh, it's not a- about falling in love, guys. Falling in love is an infatuation. It's a feeling. Sure. She is choosing a person that she clearly had a connection with and has things in common with, regardless of how we got to that point, regardless mm. of all that. She is making a choice to forgive and because she thinks it's worth it to move on and she wants this to be her adventure. And you take that agency away from her as a character oh, by telling her she shouldn't. No, 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 no. no, right. no you can't no, tell me. No, no, no. I'm telling you no, she, no, that's I'll, what you're doing. I'll say it to all of us in the whole dais right here. I'm going to – I'll put this to the audience. Ask any woman in the whole wide fucking world whether how they would play this and they would play it differently than Morton Tildum, John Spots, and the three of us. Sorry to say. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that because this is the thing. This is the history – this is why like it's so- awfully convenient that a bunch of a that a that a, you know that a guy gets the right you know gets the girl and redeems himself at the end and and all those pieces and parts like it's super goddamn convenient like I guarantee you ask nine women out of ten they would call what we're watching bullshit. So you're saying it's fine if it's in the reverse. You're saying it's okay if it's Jennifer Lawrence making Chris Pratt up and him making the decision to forgive and redeem her? It'd be even easier for us knuckleheaded men to be just as pissed. Now, we would probably be shallow enough to be like, well, hold on. (laughs) It's Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, you are fucking hot. Can I bone you and swim in that pool? But after that, we'd be like, wait a second. Well, I, I can maybe live with this, but at the same time, this ain't right, and I'm gonna get bored, and you know... Someone like you, Newcastle. I I agree. I understand where you're coming from. You you put this. Ask a woman, and I I I, this one. I I hate to pull the audience, but man, you got to pull the audience in this one. No, but but it goes to me, and and I I agree. I agree that that is generally what women would say. But again, I think it goes back to being unwilling to allow the agency to make a choice different than yourself, and to actually forgive and redeem someone versus going straight to the point of like 
you hurt me bad and therefore you are I'm never going to give it a chance. I, I, and so I think yeah. that people reject the even the potential of that being an mm. existing point. And that's why I hate this. That's why I'll it makes get, me so I'll, furious because no one potential. is willing Hold on, let me, let me, to let go me, there. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead, let me, Will. Let me go. Let me go for a minute. What I think is hilarious is that I'm the one stripping Jennifer Lawrence of her agency when Chris Pratt is the one who stripped her of all of her choices and her freedoms. Like, I like how I'm the one who's bad because I don't like her decision at the end. I don't like the decision she makes at the end. I'm the bad guy for that. Whereas her entire existence up to that point was manipulated, gaslighted, Stockholm syndromed, everything to get to that point. She is not making choices on a level playing field from the beginning. So for me to say I'm stripping her agency away, her agency was stripped away by the character and the screenplay. So I hate I'm, to say it. But dude, I'm, there I'm, is no I'm, level playing field. There's reality. There is all right. there are circumstances and, and reaction. Sure. That's then it. it like, That's all you then, have in life. Then do it like Every, this. No, <laughs> then do it like this. Punishment fit the crime. All right. Is the pun all right, Chris? But why Price are you so dis why do you have to have the punishment? That's my problem with the world. Because is that you are dead set on there. That's the problem. Yeah. Is you guys are so focused and the and everybody that hates this movie is so right, focused on the punishment, so. you yes. refuse to allow a world in which that doesn't have to happen. All right. And that's or, why or, this or, movie or, has been rejected. And I well, can't no, again, I can't convince you. Sure. I'm trying to talk broad. to the people out there that are right. open to listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like but, but you that's can, what you it boils play, down to. You can play in this playground and execute this differently. And I and I, I will I'll give credit to the YouTubers that are out there like that. There's that it's got four million views. Passengers rearranged written by Nerdwriter YouTube channel where it puts that second act first. The idea where it's Jennifer Lawrence's perspective, like the movie opens where she wakes up and just kind of doesn't know what's going on. And there just happens to be Chris Pratt hanging around. Now he can't act out of a goddamn wet paper bag about looking any kind of menacing or suspect or weird or like, you know, conflicted that doesn't help. But at least you played the woman's perspective on the idea that she wakes up. There's some mystery to why she's here. She, you know, circumstances are there where Jim is here. He's a good looking man romance ensues all that is fine and then when the question comes up of wait why the fuck am i here and the mistake comes out it's a more crushing and mysterious thing where i admit the ideas are possible from what you're talking about but the arrangement and execution of this movie just can't play that where it, it, I, I admit I endorse that rearranged aspect of it because you'd have a far more compelling movie where the mistake is a little bit more the mistake is not only a little bit more vilified, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, that redemption that is out there that you're hoping for is a little more earned because there is a problem and bullshit thing to fix. Now, I'm one of those people where you, if you're going to do the Titanic in space thing, kill the motherfucker off. Like if I, I'll take credit or I'll give credit to Katie Glidewell, one of our feeling film fine uh, film feeling film followers chicago <laughs> indie critics critics she's a great woman blonde in front look up her stuff she has this great idea where is a little bit beyond where passengers rearrange went where have her have that love be so great where she's pregnant and she stays in the stasis pod comes up pregnant is able to enjoy the new world and have all those things but chris pratt died to get her there because he deserved to fucking die and i hate to be the guy that says deserve because we're trying to play nice here and all that but punishment yeah i mean we're never crime. ever going to be on the same page because you are demanding 
punishment and, and you are coming from a place Earned. of trying to Earned. I, I get it. Earned no, I get that that's your perspective. I yeah. get it. I'm not I'm not telling you But that that's why I go back to say but, but we'll never see say. it the same way because I feel like you are ri- ridiculously against Ask any woman. redemption and forgiveness. Pull the what audience. Ask any woman. That is so broad to say that we're against forgiveness. Everything in this movie. Is, I'm not saying yeah, in like Because I was just like, I, Jesus. I, like, I, no, I, I mean. <laughs> hey, I'd be, I'd be cool about forgiveness in this movie if it lasted longer than Castaway. Because like Will said and I've, I've said, eight months on the goddamn love boat and you're bored enough to wake up the cool blonde. Oh, come on. How weak yeah, I think, are you? See, and I think the point of that is that this is a movie that shows you how much you need human companionship. And, I, and are, who cares which, how weak he is? I, I'll grab that. That's reality, guys. That's I'll everybody. That. Tom now, Hanks is more unrealistic than Chris Pratt. Well, no, I, I can't grant that. But here's here's where I'm going to go with this is if that's your, your pie-in-the-sky hope for the rest of the movie, there's not going to be another six to eight fucking problems other than this very second year that they're awake to the 45 or 50 they live before 90 gets here and they die. Like, like this is the only hill they're ever going to overcome in 45 years or 90 years of space travel. Bullshit. They're going to fuck this up again. And it, it just plot armor, dumb stuff that just does not fit. It's over convenient. It's dumb choices and it just can't work. Yeah, and plus Chris Pratt, the only things we know about him is that, Here's here's the thing. And and I only have to go with the evidence in front of me. I don't know what he was like as a child. I don't know his criminal history. I don't know any of this stuff. So what you're asking me to do is you're asking me to forgive straight up. But we've only seen him do a couple things. He knows how to build things. And he's pretty smart on his feet. He's got cool jackets. You know, he's a little nervous about what he's going to wear in front of the mirror. And he wakes up a woman and dooms her to certain death. I'm sorry. Like, that is the only thing I know. Like, how do I know he's not going to do something stupid again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know. You got to get through another 40 years with this fucker, and I don't know how they do it. Doesn't matter. It's not your call to make. You're not. It, matter, it matters when you take that code at the end of the movie that they made it. Like, when you when you pin on that bullshit little Andy Garcia walks mean out, it was happy ending. Devoid of, that Come doesn't mean on. it was devoid of issues. It doesn't mean they didn't have. Don, oh, if you make it to the end oh, with your on. wife, does that mean you guys never fought and you never had a problem? Oh, Absolutely. sure. That's not what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I, I doubt that. Guess what? We've Don's been married wife. 11 years. We didn't make it. I, I made it past eight months with my girl before I asked her to marry her. I'm also, I'm also going to assume. I'm also going to assume that. I'm also going to assume that Don's wife and Don to his wife hasn't committed a horrifying act. Thank a crime you. against humanity. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum, all things horror from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you. No, you guys, you guys are so hung up on this crime against humanity thing. And why are you not? Why are you not? Come on, good Christian. Why are you not? I'm I'm telling because in this case, as the characters are drawn, they are actually a fit for each other. Now it doesn't make up for it. Again, I'm not saying I should have or I would have, but I'm willing to put down money that if any three of us were in this situation, we would easily do the same thing. There's no way we would 
die no, in no. peace after 50 if years I'm alone the, on if a I'm, spaceship. If I'm the yeah, mechanic. Bullshit. I call it bullshit. No, no, no. If I'm the mechanic and I fix this ship, I couldn't do that to somebody. I really couldn't do I that could to somebody. He can't fix the ship. He's in a position where he is not fixing the ship. And Jennifer Lawrence is? I'll wait for no. Lawrence Fishburne yeah. to wake up and fix the ship. Yeah, no, they couldn't writer. fix the ship without Lawrence Fishburne. They would have. Uh, they would have just died. That's no, why he's I, condemning I, her to death. They would have do that to somebody. And that's another place where I'm. Gonna, I, and that's another place where I'm going to pull the audience. Ask any woman. I think they everybody's will not lying. do this. Yeah, yeah. Then a lot of women are lying. Everybody wants to be. Bullshit. Everybody's full of themselves and wants to think higher of themselves than the reality no, of human will, companionship I, and need. I, I will have weakness. I will. I, I will grant. I will grant human companionship and need. But I, I will squeeze every ounce of life of it out of that bartender. I'll find some insular way to do it, but I could not. I really could not sentence it's, anyone to death other than my own wife. Like if my wife is in the pot next to me, I'm going to wake her up and like, hey, honey, I'm stuck. We're stuck. I love you. We can do this and let's have some time together. But a stranger? Absolutely not. I couldn't do it. No, Absolutely and I, not. And this is four years, five years, ten years. I couldn't do it. See, this is a more this passengers is a more complex thing. Like, okay, like, okay, I let's say um, I haven't. Let's see, I'm trying to count in my head. All right, yeah, it's been about. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been intimate with anyone in eight months, right? So by that, I know when that was, by the way. Nice work, by the way. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's eight wink, months. Wink. Okay. So yeah. what I'm saying is, what I love right now, especially with someone who looks like Jennifer Lawrence, what I love to get down and dirty with someone like that. Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing. What prevents me from going out and just getting what I want is the moral code. This is a yes. more complex example of it because it's like, oh, I'm alone on a ship and, and and she uses the word murder. I almost use it as it's murder. It's a rape murder because mm. he's, he's essentially going to her and saying, okay, first I'm going to, I'm going to learn everything about her. It's almost like a spy thing. It's like when you go in it's, and you infiltrate yeah. somebody and you go, okay, this is what she likes. She likes this. So when she wakes up, I'm going to say this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to surprise her with this. I'm going to do hey, this. And there's, a, and there's a compelling movie there when you rearrange it to be in her perspective instead of his where there's some shit going on where redemption is kind of possible, but also the horror of the situation is perfectly real. And I wish that they would go there enough to paint that. I'm jerking off to a lot of porn instead of waking people up. I'm sorry, guys. No, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I, no, that's, that's what I'm saying is I don't see this as any different than controlling my impulse. Like if I went around, essentially what he's yeah. doing, this is why I have trouble forgiving him, is if I just went around and said, hey, it's been eight months since I've had sex. I'm just going to have sex with the next person I grab, whether they want to or not. I'm sorry. That's just not right. And what stops me from not what that? happens in the Dude, God. he, he does. He wants companionship and he picks yes. the quote unquote hottest chick and Thank he you. picks the ones that he falls in love with watching their her videos. Oh, uh -huh. I understand why I, I'm not absolving him at all of the creepy behavior. I'm saying that once it's taking place and he does exhibit, like, absolutely exhibits guilt and she gets does to the point where she cuts him off. Then after that, it shows us the the making up that she chooses of oh. her own complete free will. She makes that choice that it's worth it. So I even, I'm with you. Okay, I'm with ahead. you, Will, that it is creepy and awful what he does to her. And I think that I feel perfectly fine that the movie 
shows me that and then shows me his guilt and shows me him paying for it Hold on. and ultimately her making a choice. And I think that that is beautiful. I don't think oh. everybody in the world should make her choice. He I don't pay. think, he I don't, I acknowledge that they could and it's okay. Price. The price is like, oh, you have the bartender on Tuesdays. I have him on Thursdays. That's the price. <laughs> Convenience. Who gets the pool on Mondays? Who gets the pool on Fridays? Convenience. That's so convenient. Bullshit. Convenience is he's back to being alone. He has Fine no by companionship. Me. Good, you earned good. it. Learn good. My, that, I mean, that's the. I'm sorry. That's the. That's the cost. That. Uh, yeah, I know. It's okay. earned. It's good. earned. But yeah. what is also earned is that she has the right and the ability and agency to, after that happens, mm. make a choice to say, I choose this adventure. It's worth it to me. And I'm tired of people telling her that she doesn't allowed to do that and that she is wrong for that. People need I, to shut the hell up and let the character I, do I what can't. the character wants. I, and acknowledge pull. it's not always going to be like you. No, man. Pull and Don, if you had made a different choice, world. I would say the same thing. You <sighs> have the right to make the choice to, to get in the pod and go to sleep and leave him on his own damn by himself. True. You would have that right. Just yeah. like she has the right. And it's still a beautiful thing. If she chooses redemption and forgiveness, the world is just not open to it. I, I guess I'll end there. Cause I can't, I'm just yeah. keep repeating myself. That's, That's what true. it boils down to me. That's the thing for me is, is, is earned is the word. And, and Chris Pratt is, I, oh man, I mean, it's a creepy nature of what gets in there, and I, I, I will grant and get the desperation that any man would reach to get to that point. And when, when that decision happens, the guilt, the guilt hangs on him. I get that. I, I just, I don't see the execution of guilt strong enough to make that convincing. I don't see the guilt of that strong enough to be, to to earn enough redemption. And unfortunately for Jennifer Lawrence, as as powerful as Jennifer Lawrence is when she gets angry, boy, she's handed a script to just, you know, put a few lines out there to sound mad and stop her feeding pot about the bar on a certain day of the week. But like, I don't think I, to your word of agency, I don't think she's given enough of it. I don't think she get, I don't think she's given enough genuineness of her agency either. And I hate to keep parping on because we'll, yeah, we'll stop repeating ourselves, but pull any woman in the whole wide world. And other than the fact that Chris Pratt is hot, they would be really shitty with that decision. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the other parts of the movie that suck. Uh, I, you were talking about the, you were talking about the the music. I I, I was commenting that the music. I mean, like yeah. you said, in a vacuum, like Don said, sure, I might put it on in the uh, you know the background or something when I'm writing or something. But it it belongs in Epcot's Body Wars. It's so lame and manipulative. There, some of the romance sequences in this, the flourishes are so manipulative, like. I, I cannot stand that damn criticism. Every bit of a movie and every score in history is manipulative. Every no, single one. Stop but, saying that that is a bad thing. That is how we, they're supposed to be fucking manipulative. Here no, we go with there's execution. degrees, moderation. Yes, like, thank I, you very dude, much. Here's a, here's a film. Here's a film I'll give you an example of that I, I, I was late to it, but I watched it. And, and I, to me, it was one of the worst examples of music um, killing the vibe of a film like completely oh, is the color purple. If you ever see the color Ooh. purple, that movie okay. should be, that movie should be just heart wrenchingly 
awful yeah. sad but quincy jones has this score that is uh-huh. almost comically over dramatic so it's like true. so i'm it's just true. saying with the score yes of course scores are supposed to like you're supposed to be in the mood the difference is it's called it's an under- mood i'm with it's, that yeah it's sentiment, but it's also called it's really called an underscore because you're not supposed to notice it you're supposed to get the inherent feelings of the score and feel it but not notice it. Just like we talked about voiceovers in our previous episode. If it's organic, you know it makes sense. If you notice it, it's not working. It, this score is so noticeable during those moments well that I'm just like, holy crap, dude, tone it down. Like, like we need to, like, I, I get it. They're falling in love. I don't need to hear the symphony go to 12 to let me know that. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Coming from a Marvel fan. Like the guy who's oh! obsessed with the MCU. And you're gonna what? talk about a score being too too prominent. It's a joke. This is an Oscar-nominated score. It's oh, absolutely right. gorgeous. And the problem, wish, I can tell you what the problem is. The asked. problem is that you don't connect to the emotions of the movie. And so therefore the score feels off and, and out of place and annoying to you because you're not feeling the emotions the score is connecting with. I do, and it's a beautiful, perfect compliment to the emotions that the film is intending the viewer to have. But well, since you're at odds with that, of course you're going to be at odds with the score because well, it's just amplifying sure. a feeling you don't have. Well, here's the place. I'll go back to that balance. Like, it's it's that original balance I put in my review of, like, science fiction and romance. They are a hard thing to mix together. And tonally, even on the musical level, it's a hard thing to pull off convincingly. And by the time Thomas Newman plays Wally 2 with the science fiction part, where it's just not com- – it's not compelling. It's not interesting. It's not – suspenseful for the cataclysmic bullshit that's supposed to be happening on the ship. And then he gets the romance and he just like will Sam just punches every button of, I need to make sure you're falling in love. It just, you can't, it, it, the, the slippery slope of being able to pull both or have a, a through thread where they both can meld together. I don't see it. I don't hear it. And I know that sounds like a critic's critique, but that's kind of the job and where I'm at. Where, I know, I know, I get to be the elitist guy. But no, I mean, but I, I, I said, I, I said Titanic in space. And even James Horner on his Titanic scoring, James Horner is unfortunately late James Horner, you know, known for kind of overusing and overdoing the same cues in a lot of places, like those motifs in Apollo 13 and Legends of the Fall and Perfect Storm kind of sound the same by the time you get to Titanic. But even he, found the right timber, so to speak, between when to slow it down and make it romantic, manipulative and all, and and have it suit and fit, and then ramp it where he needed to, to meld that, where the romance speaks to the suspense, the suspense speaks to the romance. I just don't get that out of Thomas Newman and his just weak-ass score. I just can't. Yeah, it does all that to me, which is why it's Oscar-fucking-nominated, Don. Ah, no way, uh, man. Because the, the Oscars have never made a mistake no, ever. It's because, <laughs> it's because a vast number of people recognize how great yeah. it is. And I'm not taking away the done work, you, like I said before. No, no. It's it's very pure. It's very pretty music. It just doesn't fit, it doesn't fit the, the place it oh, needs to go. It fits beautifully. It is absolutely perfect complement to this. Hey, and, and, and the same thing with Guy Hendrix Diaz and that beautiful production design. 
stellar, amazing production yeah, design. I, I don't, I'm going to make Aaron mad here too. I was telling Don off the thing. Also, I think Oscar nominated. I think it's not only is it so. nominated, but it's it's uh, boring. Very oh, boring. All right, you just have shitty taste. I don't know what. Yeah, I'll, I'll push back on my co-host on that one. It's a gorgeous <laughs> production design, <laughs> but uh, but I'll go back to what Will says. You have this place where we have very, very pretty things that don't have the substance to back it up. And this is a place where there's not substance to back it up other than people who find substance in the place they find substance. Yeah, it's too, it's too, it's too clean. It's boring. It's, it's, and I've seen it in a hundred other sci-fi stuff. Like I've seen, just naming one off the top of my head. I saw it on uh, Flossman's Paradise in um, the fifth element with the cruise ship. It's the same point. thing I've seen a million times before. Fair comment. Like there's, there's no, I was telling Don off off the air once that even though it's not a great movie, one one production design that has always stuck with me is the Lost in Space movie because they specifically went out of their way to do something different, which was every there's going to be no hard edges, no hard corners. There's going to be all circular hallways, circular rounded edges, things like that. And that always stuck with me because when I was watching, I heard that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Look how they did that hallway. Look how they did this. This, I was just like, oh, yeah, I've seen that in, you know, 60 other I, movies. I, I admit, I'll push back and say this is very inspired and very good production design. But that's the one place I gave it a star, and that's it. I liked Michael Sheen. I, I mean, he's always uh, aff- affable. All right, all right. Until he's the, you know, source of demise. Like, I, you know, I guess you don't trust the android with the secret, you know, because it, it, it goes back to the meme you're talking about where once the bartender should probably, even with defunct programming, talk him out of a shitty decision, movie ends. So I'm kind of, he's well, good here, until the movie should end. Here, here's what I, here's what I did like. I'm going to give some praise here, Aaron. You should give me a round of applause here. I'm going to praise the screenplay here. What I did like is they did kind of a data thing with Star Trek where he, the, the Android, which is surprising to me because Androids are always different in movies. Like some have no emotions, some do, some have ulterior motives, some don't. This one keeps the secret, right? And I like the scene. Until he doesn't. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, no. This is what I liked about the screenplay. They found a way around it to have the reveal. Is uh, Jennifer Lawrence says, uh, me and Jim have no secrets. And he looks at him matter-of-factly. He looks at Jim and says, is that true? And Chris Pratt goes, yeah, you heard what the lady said. No secrets. And then so he takes... So he takes that literally and gives the secret away. And I thought that was a pretty clever script moment. I'll t- all right. I, I mean, I guess we're tipping the hat. Clever. I, no, I'm just saying it was. Like, I, thought, like, I thought that was a good way for like the. It's fantastic. To, yeah, it's like, fantastic. Okay, okay, it's because right, because Jim, Jim clearly. <laughs> no, it's, it's a wonderful m- moment. It's for exactly what you're saying. Jim clearly has a, a spot where Chris Pratt shows on his face. He's like. You, you can read i read it just fine over and over like oh shit uh yes there's no secrets i mean what else is he supposed to say he's in a pickle he knows he's caught i don't know because if he, if he doesn't say that <sighs> fuck I mean, man. man what the fuck you're just you're just projecting into what you want to happen instead of looking at the movie yes i want moral things to happen in life god forbid uh, no you're right god forbid or, or i, I, I want moral things, things. Or I want moral things to happen in a movie that really tries to flex morals. You know? Like, if you're going to play the card of, hey, we're making a morality play, we want you to think about things in a deep way. Maybe honor the morals. 
Here, here's a good example. Me and Don talked about this. We talk about this all the time, okay? And, and I'm sure you're going to have really strong feelings on this, Aaron, because I know that you like animals and you like dogs and stuff. But one thing me and me and Don always talk about is we talk about how Michael Vick, right? Michael Vick did horrible things with dogs, and we all agree with that. But the thing is, if you're looking at it from a legal perspective, you're looking at it from a moral perspective, a societal perspective, whatever you want to say, he served the time that is dictated by the law. He went to prison for two years and he got out and he went to live his life. There's a lot of people out there that refuse to let him live his life. So that supports what you're saying about this Jim character. However, it's a magnitude thing. Like to maybe to me and Don, yes, like hurting dogs sucks. That's horrible. But if he paid the crime, it shows that he's got, you know, he's he's been guilty about it. He's making up for it. We don't see that as such a major crime that it needs to be punished for life. I'm sorry, but something like this, where you are essentially manipulating and, you know, raping and murdering, essentially, is, as, as she put it herself, that is such a higher crime that deserves far more punishment than what the movie's offering because it doesn't give him any, he doesn't pay enough. And I, maybe I'm cynical and I believe that someone should pay for their crime. But we're we're talking magnitudes here. Like, there's well just so many levels of magnitudes of what you should pay for. Yeah, I mean, you are. That is what you're doing. You're, this is the scenario here that that applies. Will is that it is a person who is saying, "I'm not pressing charges." That's the ending of this movie, and you're not okay with it. How many, that's how many women have done that in history because they've been abused by men? They've done that through history there's women that get their asses beat every day what's the common phrase that they say in the hospital i fell down the stairs i fell off the ladder you know i you because if that's what i saw in this movie i would agree with you but that's not the relationship i see evolve over the course of the film oh come on we got to get off of this part because we we, yeah we're gonna i mean that's the crux that's the problem is that's that is the movie like that's you're that's Everything else about the film revolves around that's the plot. And if you if you think it's a problem, exactly. You guys think it's one way. You can't ever come to another reading of it. Just like I'm never going to a cynical reading of it. I can't because I see it as better. If the script is better, sure. I I can if more is done to earn it. I can't because now I'm back to Toy Story 3 versus Toy Story 4 where I'm talking about worthwhile and earned. I don't want to go there, but I mean, like, you got it. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a sliding scale, and I know, that, but I'm with my partner here. There's, there's severity. There's, there's, there's moment. Uh, yeah, there, you got to have more. Here's, an, here's a good example. Uh, and I'm not saying this show is like a masterclass of writing by any means, especially because of its last two seasons, right? But let's take Game of Thrones, right? Uh, we are introduced to a character named Jamie Lannister in the first episode. What is he doing? He's having sex with his sister and he pushes a child out a window and paralyzes him. Right? So your, your first thought is, holy shit. Like I will never like this person ever. Right. But, and, and obviously it benefits from the fact that there's multiple seasons, but then you get into the psychology of the character. Other characters get time. Other characters get that ability to, see different perspectives and different layers and different understandings of where things were coming from and societal pressures and all this stuff. And eventually that character becomes a hero that you actually like. And you're like, how the hell did I end up liking this guy? The way that the writing made it out to be was that you got to understand that he's not just this simple creature that 
just bucks his sister and pushes kids out windows. There was so many more explanations to it, so much more to it. And the writing allowed that to happen. With this one, we have Chris Pratt, who seems impulsive. He makes a decision. It's an awful decision that deserves to be punished. And then in the end, even though there's a little bit of hiccups on the road, in the end, he wins and never truly pays the price for his mistakes. And 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 using Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones as an example, he does pay many, many prices to the point where you're like, okay, Jesus, he he got what he deserved. Like this one is just he he ends up winning in the end. Like the movie wants you to think what he did was right. No, it does not want you to think it's it wants you to think that it's okay to be redeemed and forgiven and not suffer the ultimate punishment for everything. That's what it says. And I'm okay with it. You're not. And I think that's like, I don't know. I think we're talking in circles because that's you've said that. And that's and I've said it like a million times. But that's that's where we're opposed. All right. You know, we're never going to. It is. I mean, like, I I know what you're saying. I I feel you. I understand. But yeah. I and, disagree and, and, that that's where the way the world should be. And I admit I, I see the production value of the movie. And I admit that, I, that I'm a person who's, well, you know, open and wonderful for forgiveness. But, man, yeah, the, 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 the dials and the, the I don't want to say requirements, but the measures and the, the need for earning is definitely different between the three of us in this room or this digital room. I mean, I, 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 maybe this is also partially coming from a place of faith, and I'll just throw that out there as a maybe an understanding of where I'm coming from. But the reality is that I just believe in a in an example of not being deserving of grace and forgiveness, and someone still making the choice to love me through that, and mm. therefore offering it unconditionally, oh. and Ooh. and being redeemed. And that's how yeah. I feel about it. And so then when I see this. I can see that Christ metaphor, not the characters themselves, but I can see that version of it in the movie. And so I, I don't want to, I don't want to argue and I don't want to, I don't want to come off too. I want to, I want to admit here because I think I hope we're closing down. So I want to at least be nice here and admit, Will, that (laughs) I agree with you on the creepiness level of what he's doing and gaslighting her. And I, I totally think you are spot on. And so because of that, I do understand why it is incredibly difficult for you to get to the place where I currently am and that you probably would never get to that place. So I understand it. I just want to live in a world where this is what can happen, I guess, ultimately. Sure. I, hey, I want that world tour. I, I mean, I want that world too, but. Man, I, I I'm at I'm where my podcast partner's at. It's magnitude. Like I can forgive or, or or reach a place to forgive really deep things and really difficult things and little white lies and really big lies. But and and I and I want characters that can get to that place. And I know you went to the agency card, but I I can't see a realistic scenario where there's agency of this character heightened enough to be this quick and this immediate with forgiveness i i wish i don't get me wrong i want what you want but i don't see it i don't and i it doesn't sell to me in the way that they try to put it in this movie jennifer lawrence is great i i want a woman that can do that but not on this script not not with this uh you know ticking time bomb of like i hope it works out in the end kind of thing and and then yeah i i I can't see women 
because this is written i and i'm normally not this guy i'm really apologized for not being this guy but i can't see a woman agreeing to this as easily as a scripted person says so was there any i'm trying to think who oh it's just one writer huh just john is is it just five spots yeah Yeah. okay i was just gonna say i was wondering if because let's take another uh you know and and i know we're going a little long but whatever you know, um, oh, one thing I, I welcome it. I welcome one, it. One thing that I really liked about the last duel this year, right, mm, is it was almost—it was almost critic-proof in a way because what happened was is you had two men writing it, but you also had a woman who's exclusively told the woman's side of the story. Now, it was a little heavy-handed that after you got two Rashomon acts of of uh, Driver and Damon telling their side of the story, you know. Ridley Scott very openly states this is the true story and it's the woman's side of the story. Um, I think it, obviously I like that, but then that leads up to what Don was saying is just skip the first two parts then. But, you know, uh, you know, that is something that deals with stuff like this that does get a woman's perspective. I am interested. I would be interested in seeing this remade or done again with a woman's point of view, either behind the directing chair or as a writer. Agreed. Something like that, because I think it it would help immensely to give a little bit more balance. Because, yeah, I don't want you to think that I'm like against people redeeming themselves. I was just saying the same thing about Michael Vick. Obviously, it's a different magnitude. It's killing dogs, not human beings. But and I believe in his redemption and I believe in redemption for Chris Pratt. I just need the script to tell me I need there to be a little bit more either by having the screenplay be 20 pages longer and have it depict over time. because. It just seems like this gets resolved in days or months or whatever, as opposed to something that should be lingering for years. Right. And so it's yeah. more about the execution of that forgiveness than the forgiveness itself. I, I don't, I'm not saying Chris Pratt needs to burn in hell forever. I'm just, or Jim Parsons needs to burn in hell forever. Jim Parsons, is that his name? Jim Parsons? Or is that the name of the guy from the Big Bang Theory? What Prescott? I think it's Jim Prescott. 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 Yes, sir. It's very generic and forgettable, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, Jim, Jim Preston, Preston, Preston. So, no, I, I believe Jim Preston should be, should, should be forgiven eventually. It's just the way they get there, I guess is what I'm trying to say, doesn't convince oh. me enough. Oh, you've uh, said it. You've said it plenty. We get <laughs> all right. It. No, I all agree. Right. I, t- I mean, I, I agree that that's your position. <laughs> I understand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, but Aaron, I, I Aaron more than anything, thanks for coming on. You know, this is fantastic, <laughs> you know, and all that. Uh, closing thoughts around the room. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to get to talk about this movie that I absolutely oh, love. Oh, absolutely. Hey, this and is, I, this is I, I expected combo. nothing different than this. So, no, it was good. It's, it's fun to talk no, to you guys. It's, always. Hey, there, there's got to be a, someone's got to like this stuff. I mean, <laughs> right? So, that's such a damning thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, my final thought is uh, I won. All right. Oh, I wasn't going to go there, but okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I, I, it's okay. It's my show. I, I won. I won. Uh, Aaron, why don't you, uh, just so other people can yell at you and disagree with you, uh, in, in live, uh, in live action, <laughs> what are some of your, um, Twitter handles, social media handles, things like that, that people can reach you at if, if uh, they need to find you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at feeling film, F E E L I N F I L M. The podcast is feeling film as well. It's, it's everywhere and you get your podcast. You can find us. And uh, we put out 
three-ish episodes every single week of varying different stuff, new releases, one deep dive, full spoiler review show, and something different uh, usually as well. And then uh, you can also find me. There's a Facebook discussion group both these jokers are in, and you can come have fun talking with us uh, all day, every day about movies. That's a good time. Uh, and then I'm also on Letterboxd. Very, very, very active on Letterboxd at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Well, and I was going to say that Aaron, like, yeah. I mean, me and Don, Don, what'd you do? I mean, if, if I counted rewatches, which I don't right. do a lot of rewatches, or I, I should say multiple viewings, I rewatch all the Marvel films usually. So I think, I think, the, only, the, I think the only movie I saw twice last year was Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, but everything else was a Marvel film. But I pretty much see one film only, and that's it for for, the, for a year. So I oh, did. God, I wish. So I have I did, children where we watch Kung Fu Panda seven times. <laughs> so I lucky did, you. I did uh, 315 total viewings last year. You're probably in the 250 to 300 range, whereas like Aaron's like in the like 900 range. Or yeah, something. it's a like, lot. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I I have said to Aaron, I am jealous of his flexible job and his free time. Yep, that's how I do it. <laughs> I know, but no, no wife, um, no kids at home for the most part. And oh, no, uh, yeah. don't sound that sad. Seriously, seriously, seriously. No, um, uh, what what I value about Aaron is in what he does is like, folks, if you want a fantastic film group, and as a as a you know, press credential film critic, just like Aaron, I it's hard to find a lot of places to like just talk about movies, and I end up in a lot of highbrow places because that's kind of where the the level of people are, are, but if you want to reach a fantastic audience of, of willing and able and, and interesting people, folks, you got to find this feeling film Facebook group. It's, it's the best place I go to talk about movies. And that beats every place else I ever go. And uh, yeah, you need to find us because it's, it's wonderful. It's good. And then by the time you find Aaron's show where the feels are emphasized and the, to, you know, and all the the great discussions that come out of it, you really have a great place to just enjoy movies for all the different things. Where I can't believe it, the Marvel show Will has found a place where he can you know converse yeah. and not not completely piss people off, but at the same time, you the fun part about that group is we have the cinephiles, we have the you know the mainstream folks, and then you have the pros like Aaron and I, where we all mix together at the watering hole, and it's fascinating. And I argue that there is no difference between them all. Everybody's a cinephile. All of it is cinema. Hey, but I'm with me. you there, too. I'm with you there, too. That's me. I'm not a Martin Scorsese guy that separates them. Yep. Fuck um, that guy. Well, I wouldn't go. Okay, yeah, fuck that guy. All right. On that <laughs> note. All right. So on that uh, very uh, uh, obvious uh, opinion that will definitely divide people, follow us on Twitter. At Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also, find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. If you enjoyed this show, and how could you not? It was full of fireworks. We this more was awesome. That, we have more where that came from with more of your interesting hosts. And more wonderful guests like Aaron, who's great. Uh, there, it's all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Hey.